You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. I'm Holly Randall, host and creator of Holly Randall Unfiltered, a podcast changing everything you think you know about porn. I think they know who you are. Okay, smartass, then introduce your less famous self. Hi, everyone. I'm Eva, Holly's smartass, less famous, not really famous at all, right-hand man, her everything girl. You can even say I'm the backbone of this business, lifting Holly up, helping her thrive. All right, that's enough. I knew I'd regret this. You may know me from our super secret side podcast, My L.A. Porn Life. Chances are, if it's super secret, they probably don't know about it, let alone know who you are. That's a great observation, Holly, which leads me to my next point. Was there even a first point? Shh! If you love this talented lady as much as I have to pretend to as she pays my bills, you should really think about joining her Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Holly Randall Unfiltered. You really do get all sorts of amazing perks. Tell the people what they get, Holly. For as low as five bucks a month, you get access to our hilarious behind-the-scenes porn podcast, My L.A. Porn Life, where Eva and I talk about what it's like working on set, our sex and dating lives, well, Eva's at least, because I'm boring and old and taken. Accurate. And give an insider perspective on industry news and current events. And sometimes we do strange, highly amusing things, like watch each other's blowjob videos to compare who did better. Yes, and I am still traumatized. You're just jealous that mine was better. You know, everyone is just going to have to join your Patreon and decide that for themselves. Which isn't a bad idea, because you'll also get all sorts of fun swag. You even get live access to Holly Randall Unfiltered podcast recordings weeks before their release. We'll give you sexy signed photos of podcast guests photographed by Holly Hurst herself holly's dirty underwear um hold on i do not send my patrons my dirty underwear well you should anyway if you want to help support the show indulge in some super secret podcast hilarity and get really cool gifts sent right to your door head over to patreon.com slash holly randall unfiltered and pick the tier that's right for you you'll regret it you mean they won't regret it that's what i said <sighs> that's www.patreon.com forward slash holly randall unfiltered you won't regret it there we go bye Anna Lee is a fellow veteran director in the adult industry. Like me, she's been working in porn for over 20 years. But unlike me, Anna focuses exclusively on virtual reality porn, something I've never really taken a deep dive into. In fact, Forbes magazine named her studio, 2049 Entertainment, the adult VR studio of the year in 2019. So in this episode, Anna gives me a virtual tour, so to speak, of this rapidly changing technology and explains to us just how far VR has really come in the last few years. But Anna and I also touch on a more sensitive and, in my opinion, probably more important topic, and that's the rash of abuse allegations that has plagued the adult industry in the last month. The stories that have come out have us both wondering, how can we improve our own practices to ensure a safer set and a better experience for everyone? So let's welcome award-winning director Anna Lee. Hi, 
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Holly Randall Unfiltered. I'm going to introduce my guest to you, but before I do that, I just want to give a quick shout out to my amazing sponsor, Manscaped. If you've been listening to my show for a while, you know that they have been a longtime sponsor of mine, and they are an amazing company with an amazing revolutionary electric trimmer. They have the one for your balls, the lawnmower 3.0 that we all know and love, but they also have come out with a new nose and ear hair trimmer. So make sure that you go to manscaped.com, use my code Holly and get 20% off plus free shipping. So now for my guest, my guest is Anna Lee. She is a director who specializes in VR. And Anna and I are here to talk about some pretty important changes that are happening in the industry. If any of you guys have been on adult social media, we're like our own little microcosm, you know that there's been a lot of controversy around some serious allegations that have come out about sexual abuse from various women on various sets. And um, this is something that, you know, is very problematic and needs to be addressed. And so Anna and I wanted to kind of talk about this. But before we get into that, Let's hear from Anna. Let's hear, Anna, your background, um, how you got into adult, what you specialize in, sure. all that good stuff. All right. So I'm going to take you back to the beginning. So um, I'm, in, I'm in college studying film and I'm um, sitting around. We used to have this break every day at four o'clock and all the girls were sitting around and saying, you know, I really wish I could, I really wish I could make more money. And, and, and I, I hate trying to, you know, waitress and cover my shifts because everyone was an actor or a filmmaker or something like that back then. We were all full of dreams and hopes. And, and uh, you know, then someone said, I really wish I could make home money without actually touching anyone. Okay. So this is, I just to let you know, I'm like in my forties. So this was like, the internet had kind of just been pretty new. Uh, we were still on dial-up, so you had to buy tokens to actually get online. And I about, remember those yeah. days. <laughs> okay, I also okay. was in my 40s. So. <laughs> right, right. So you know I what I'm talking about. You. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, class 2000. So, um, <laughs> 1996. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, you know. Um, but yeah. So then about two weeks later, I met this woman at this party and she was like, oh yeah, I'm a phone sex operator. And I'm starting this thing called webcamming. We, cause now we can do it on, on the internet. And I was like, oh, cool. So I ended up uh, talking to her and actually convincing a lot of the my friends uh, that were complaining about working and we started a phone and cam company. And so that is kind of my first step into adult, my first step into filming stuff. And uh, from there, actually, I ended up in VR because I was looking for new ways to market our cam and phone company. What had happened was Nightflirt just launched. And we were like, oh, no, what is this? It was really like this little independent studio. You know, we had this thing. The girls would come in. We'd do the thing. You know, it was, a, it was a small thing. We were doing well. It was a good time. But we're like, oh, no, what do we do? So we started looking. And I ran into this virtual world called Red Light Center. And it was about two weeks old. And they were looking for girls to go on there virtually and um, talk to guys with using an avatar. And so we ended up talking to the owner of that. And fast forward, 13 years later, I became their president. <laughs> but my time there, you know, we did stuff like digital animation, motion capture. And then in 2013, I think 2014, 
my friend Tara Patrick, uh, who I actually mocapped and put into the virtual world. Uh, so you could have a Tara Patrick experience. I went with her to AVN and uh, Manuel Ferreira kept coming up to us because he loves Tara. And he was like, uh, this is really cool stuff, but when are you guys going to do live action? And uh, Oculus had just released their first uh, consumer version. So I said, all right, let's give this a try. And so in 2015, shot our first scene with Manuel. Um, Caden helped us produce it. And it had August Ames and Annika Albright in it. And uh, yeah, shot my first VR scene then. And then it's been pretty nonstop, like four or 500 scenes later now. I don't even know. Here we are. <laughs> with wow. That. Yeah, with my own studio. And uh, so, yeah, I have to actually thank Tara for that, uh, for introducing me to Manuel, who got me into the actual live action production part. But before that, I was doing digital animation. So can you explain for those of us who who aren't perhaps as tech savvy, the difference between live action and digital animation? So were you animating girls before then? Like it was an actual real right. video of them? Okay. No. So it was like an, an avatar, you know, like a video game. So it was okay, a very gotcha, photorealistic. Gotcha. So what we would do is we would take the model, we would do a full 360 scan of them. Mm -hmm. And then I would take them to a motion capture studio. So, you know, you'd put on the suit with the little balls on it mm -hmm. and we would replicate their sex moves and their dance moves. Um, we would do that. And then somebody else, not me, uh, somebody very good at programming would uh, turn that into a motion captured uh, animated character digital character with a photorealistic likeness. So basically the face was mapped so that you could see uh, who it was, body, everything uh, was done very custom to the person. And it looked, it looked really, I mean, for the time, it was actually ahead of its time at the time. And um, yeah, and then you would go into the virtual world and you would interact with Tara. You could actually have like a AI experience of where you could be like, hi, Tara, how are you going on a date with her? Do whatever, you know, things like that. And so- Where did the voice come from? Because- she would respond to you, right? That's right. So she could do a voiceover as well. So any of the girls that came in and did motion capture and stuff with us, it would be a whole suite of stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. So we actually did create a, I never did her voice though, funny enough, but I think I just took samples from something else. I can't remember. It was like seven years ago now that we did that, but uh, right. I think we took audio samples from her. I didn't think we got around to actually doing the audio recording or maybe we did, but it went really well. And we took it to AVN. Um, we took it with the headsets. We were one of the first people actually to debut a VR product at AVN. I think this was in 2014. We had a booth there and that's how I ended up getting into live action because the feedback was like, Oh, this is really cool, but I wish it was really Tara. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward 2019, I actually got to shoot her in a, in a VR scene, which was came full circle. It was kind of neat because she shot for my company that I right. had just launched. So it was kind of a cool moment to have her there. Um, shooting a live action thing with me. So it's interesting that you say how you guys were really ahead at the time in technology. And I think what a lot of people don't know is that porn has a history of being at the very like cutting edge cusp of technology. Right. Um, they porn was actually what decided the war between Betamax and um, uh, VHS. Yes. Yes. And then also Blu-ray. Blu-ray Blu was because of pirates. And yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and DVDs. So right. so can you explain maybe why that is? Why do you think? You know what? Because everyone likes porn. Uh, you know, everyone watches porn. Let's just be honest. Um, at some point in your life, you've seen it. Even if you, you know, even if you'd say that you didn't, you have. Um, 
And if you're going to buy something like a headset, yeah, sure, there's a lot of gamers that are going to buy it, but you're definitely going to want to watch porn on it. You're going to want to have other experiences on it. So I, I, be- I really believe that's that's because of the medium is so popular. Everyone mm. wants to watch porn. I looked at getting into VR a while ago, but it was so complicated and I didn't really understand it. And there were so many different ways to shoot it and different directions that it might go in. So I kind of just dropped the ball on that. How do you shoot VR? Like what kind of camera setup do you have? Because I know at least back when I was looking at it, some people would just strap a bunch of GoPros. Oh my God. Onto like <laughs> one thing, right? But I would imagine you're a little more sophisticated. Uh, well, yeah, here's the good news. Um, beauty of the VR and the technology and just sort of being in this time and era is so cool is everything moves at such a lightning speed. So in mm. 2015, and I, you know, I'm so open about the tech I use. I'm so open about the cameras I use. So some people are very secretive, but I don't care. Um, that we had like 16 GoPros strapped in this array, like held with duct tape. It was ridiculous. <laughs> now you can buy a VR camera off the shelf. And there's one that everyone tends to use, which is the K1 Pro. Um, we, I use that right now. I actually have a K2 Pro, which shoots in 8K, 60 frames a second and 120. I'm so excited. Me nerding out a little bit. Um, it's stuck at the border right now, <laughs> but it's on its way. And once it gets here, I'll start thinking about shooting. But, um, the K1 Pro is kind of the standard of what everyone uses. You can get it off the shelf, go to B&H, get it. And, um, super, super inexpensive now. So entering the space is a lot easier. Um, shooting in the space is a lot easier and it's become now, which is wonderful, you know, how you light it. Now it's, it's come down now to the way that 2d is a regular, regular filming is, is where like, you we all kind of have the same camera now. It's easy to get, you can get into the space. It's relatively expensive, especially with the K1 pro not to really give them a plug, but it also self stitches pretty much, which is one of the other barriers to entry for people who are interested in getting to VR is like, what do I do with all this footage? Because true VR is in stereoscopic, is in 3D. So if you don't shoot it that way, you're wasting your time and your money. But now with the cameras, the technology, everything is self-stitches. And you can basically just run it through your editing machine, color correct it, do whatever you need to do. And bam, you've got a, you've got a scene. So when you say stitches, that means that it takes all the different angles and puts it all together. As so putting one the left eye and the right eye together. Right. Okay. Um, so that it, you know, is so that when you put it on, you can see the person in 3D. Right. Now, how do you tackle the problem? Because when I was looking into it, the big issue was trying to shoot and direct something in three in 360 degrees when you could no longer be behind the camera. Like, where do you put the lights? Where do you put the sound? So. <laughs> Back then we were talking about, okay, you're just shooting in 180 because if you're watching the scene in front of you, why would you want to turn around and see what's happening behind you? Like nobody cares about that. So are you guys shooting in 180? Uh, standard is 180 to 220. Okay. Or 220. So it's just a little bit behind you. So you don't see the sort of side because the 180 right. really cuts into your peripheral. And if you want okay. a fully immersive experience, you just kind of want that little extra couple degrees on either side. Um, nobody really shoots in 360. Um, I have done some stuff for mainstream. Um, for some mainstream friends and some and a community that I'm part of as well, and they they mainstream is behind, which is really funny. Is like they're still insisting on 360, and some people do that. For me, here's my super secret trick. I actually use a time code, and because I started in mainstream film, because I did a lot of work with that, I will literally like shoot the front, turn around, shoot the back, and stitch it together if I really need to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes here's another secret, guys. I will just use a still image at the back just to save on the file size if nothing is happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There's your cheats. You take a really nice turn the camera, like actually flip it right around. <laughs> take three 30 seconds on the and then and i would assume it. you move the lights to the other side yes, yes. you light yeah. the other side obviously yeah because that's um, what we yeah do yeah, with the back yeah. and just forth spin it all around stitch it together um if you have actually actors and things coming in or performers coming in you just make sure they hit their marks hopefully okay um but i tend to not do that that's for special occasions i, I tend to not do that because honestly once you get the full okay cool i'm in a cool room you know then you're 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 there to jerk off. You're there to focus on what's in front of you. Right. 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 So now in terms of shooting, the camera has to stay stationary in one place, right? You can't move in. Okay. So this is how much it's changed since (laughs) I was looking into it. So this is really interesting for me. So allegedly my new camera that's stuck at the border can do movement because the frame rate's so high. So one of the problems that we had before is we weren't able to capture the footage in a high enough frame rate. And if you don't, that's what causes the nausea. Some people are going to get nauseous anyways. It just is what it is. You you get car sick. You know, some people do, some people don't. Some dogs don't, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But now that with the new camera that I cannot wait to get my hands on, it's supposed to be here Thursday. Um, It's literally like Christmas. I'm so excited. Um, You know, allegedly I'm able to do movements. So I'm going to do some tests. I'll get back to you and let you know. But people have been experimenting. Companies have been experimenting it with, with small bits of movement. So it's not actually like a full on thing. Now, when it comes to people are like, okay, well, what about a video game? That's, uh, you know, it's a digital thing that's made that you can actually just force the frame rate to like something super, super high. So that's why you don't get the motion sickness with that. Right. Right. So you can't really zoom in on things, correct? Um, no, but that's, that's not something you want to do because mm-hmm. here's the mistake that producers make when they're coming into VR for the first time. You need to treat the camera like a participant. You need to treat the camera as one of the characters in the scene, one of the actors, one of the performers, because basically someone is putting this headset on and now it's their POV. They're an active participant in the, in the film. So you can't treat it like a regular camera where there's like a third wall and like you're doing zoom in, you know, you're doing pans and whatever you can't do that. You have to literally think of your, think of it from a director's standpoint all right, I'm sitting in a chair and there's this beautiful woman in front of me. What am I seeing? What am I doing? What level am I at? How am I looking? Those are the kind of questions you have to ask yourself when you're setting up your shot because it's no longer just a camera. You are now emulating the experience of a person. And that's something that I'm really pushing for and something that kind of bothers me about the current state of VR is that a lot of people seem to go in there and just shoot regular porn with a VR camera when they should be shooting porn experiences or sexual experiences instead with the understanding that this is not just a camera. This is actually a person Mm. who is experiencing something. So how can we make this, how can we make this thing that they're watching, that they're being a part of that they're being immersed in feel as realistic as possible. And that's something I did with my flagship series, which is called black box was I dropped the girls in a soundproof booth. So it was an ASMR experience uh, experiment as well. Uh, I dropped them in a black booth, lit them with one light, and I just closed it off and left them there. (laughs) And I said, I want this to feel as real as possible because I also, a lot of people put bodies under the camera. I don't feel that's necessary either. So when you look down and you see Manuel's dick, you're like, eh, mine don't look like that, right? So (laughs) so I, I, I wanted to make an experience where you didn't need to have a body because you were leaning so close in 
to the person. And as, you know, terror, whoever's talking to you, you start leaning a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And I wanted to create that sort of sexual tension. And then finally, it kind of just, you know, uh, goes to where it needs to. And also, I wanted to create a non-binary experience so that it wasn't gender specific, so that mm. anybody could watch it, anybody could feel like they were pulled into the experience. So that's something that I personally try and do with my work when I'm shooting for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, other studios have their own mandates and their own rules. Um, but that's something that I think if you're going to try VR, you're going to get into the space. You stop thinking about it in the way of let me frame the shot as a traditional porn. Think of it as how can I make this a sexual experience that feels real? Mm. And you should probably do well. So as opposed to, because, you know, I hear stories about people who do these VR boy girl scenes and they just say it's a nightmare because the guy has to stay there. The camera's where his head is. He can't move whatsoever. The girls have to like blow him, jump up and down on his penis. And the idea is that the viewer feels that it's himself, but you don't do that. You show, you show it as like somebody's in the seat, like you're in the room watching these two people have sex, not like you are that person. Which essentially is the difference between regular POV porn and just regu- regular porn right. in what we shoot. Right. But the way I shoot it is this. Okay. So when you're having sex with a person for real, right, you usually don't look down for the penetration <laughs> or you usually don't, you know, their, their face is the frame. They're usually their face, their head, their butt, whatever is filling the frame. And so when I shoot, I try and bring the, the performer as close as possible. So that it feels really, really real. And it doesn't really give you the space to see the, pen- now people do want to see the penetration because they can't feel it. But here's the cool thing. You can now get devices that connect with the whole thing. So we have things, I think Fleshlight has one um, where you can actually connect in with the scene and feel what's going on. So to me, seeing that, you know, sort of initial standard porn penetration shot isn't as important anymore. Mm. To me, what's more important is creating the sense of realism, the sense of intimacy, the sense of like this woman or man or whatever is in front of me. And honestly, you know, they're looking at me, they're there, we're, we're, we're having a real experience and they really want to be with me and I'm, and I'm feeling it. So that's, I think it's more important for the face to fill the frame mm-hmm. than it is for, anything else. So, which is why I, I, when I'm shooting for myself, um, just for me, um, just for my brand, uh, I tend not to use men under the camera. I tend to just use performers in front. I haven't, I haven't seen the need for it. I haven't felt the need mm. for it. Mm. However, that being said, I do shoot boy girls still. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's just a, a different way of showing the experience. Right. Yeah. I feel like I need to see, like I've, I have so little experience with VR. I I know that when I was looking at getting into it, I went to a studio who demonstrated their latest um, technology with, do you remember that movie? What was it called? It was about the guy who walks on the tightrope like over New York between yeah, yeah. Like two of the highest like, buildings. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was that this famous family. He fell though, didn't he, or something. It was like it was called Bird on a Wire or something. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, so yeah. Or Man on a Wire. Man on a Wire. Yeah. So they kind of reenacted that experience as part of um promotion for the movie. And I remember what they had was because obviously they're not going to put you on a tightrope. They took a cord and they basically taped it to the floor so that your foot would feel that you were on some kind of cord, but you were on the floor. Mm -hmm. And uh, they gave me the headset and, you know, the the headphones. And they were like, okay, so 
you know, if you're afraid of heights, this might completely freak you out and, you know, don't feel ashamed. Like you can stop this at any time because some people have panic attacks. And I said, that's absurd. I know that I'm in a room, a safe space with all of you people. I know that I'm not standing above New York on a tightrope. I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to have a panic attack. And they're like, okay, all right, sure. Here you go. And I put it on and it scared the living daylights out of me. It was absolute, it really felt, even though, because it tricks like this lizard part of your brain, you know? And it was, my brain was telling me, you are 100% standing on this tightrope above New York. Like you look down, look up, like you see all of these things. And even though intellectually I knew it wasn't true, I couldn't shake the feeling that it was true. And um, it was a terrifying (laughs) experience. And that's when I realized how incredibly powerful of a tool it is. And that's good VR. when you forget, when you forget where you are. And, um, you know, like, that's, like I said, something I try and do with my work. And I, and my idea, like I said, initially, because I threw them in the the soundproof booth so that I could get a better audio, but Mm -hmm. it turned into something else where you no longer were like, I do floating sometimes. So in like a sensory deprivation tank, and when you're mm, in there, you can that, see things yeah. so clear. You know, you know what I mean. Like, so you can see yeah. things so clearly, and then you come out, and you're like, everything tastes and sounds and smells and looks really bright. Um, and that's the same thing that kind of happened with Black Box. It was like, you know, Tara, I shot her for that. She's sitting there in the chair, and you you don't have to look at. Oh, somebody forgot to like hide that picture, and somebody like forgot their laundry on the floor or whatever, or there's a cable or a light or something over there. It's just her, and she mm-hmm. fills the frame, and there's something extra that really pulls you into it. And of Mm. course she's amazing. (laughs) So she starts to draw you in with her words and then she whispers and you're just, the whole thing I wanted was that moment before you actually end up having sex with somebody new and you're sitting around and there's that tension happening. That's what I wanted to create. And so I was able to do that with um, 14 women who just blew it out of the water. They were amazing. (laughs) <laughs> Where can people go and actually see these videos? Okay. So actually, uh, 2049 Entertainment uh, is my company. So the easiest way to find my videos, because I actually don't have a member site yet up. Um, I've been COVID hit. <laughs> Tell me about so, it. I have 14 scenes. That's it. <laughs> uh, COVID hit. So I wasn't able to do more. Um, but yeah, there's a link off of that to to my scenes off of my main site. So can check it out there but uh, all of them are there you can see actually actually see on your computer kind of what i was going for and listen to it with headphones because once you do so we spent a lot of time on the audio and i think mm. just having the audio and the visual and the whole just it there's an immersive quality to it that i don't think that you normally get in normal scenes so that's you can see what i was trying to do here and uh kind of work right so the website that people should go to to at least link to where um, right. they can access these videos or access them in the future is uh, 2049entertainment.com, right? That's right. With 2049 as in the digits. Yeah. 2049entertainment.com. Right. Perfect. Wow. All right. Well, thank you. That's, that's incredibly interesting. All of that. <laughs> so we're going to take a commercial break. Then we're going to come back to talk about the main topic of conversation that we wanted to cover, which is abuse in the adult industry, um, sexual abuse, abuse of power. Uh, there's a lot to talk about and it's a topic that is touchy, but important and something that definitely needs to be addressed. So hang tight and we will be right back. 
Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Roman. Struggling with ED is super common, but still a pretty private matter you don't necessarily want to talk about in the open, especially not with strangers. Anyone who's dealt with it knows how awkward it could be, but luckily there's a simple, convenient solution to get the treatment you need without leaving the comfort or privacy of your own home. The people over at Roman have spent ages building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, giving you the treatment that you need right from home. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that the treatment is right for you, your medication can be shipped right to your door with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with erectile dysfunction, stay home and go to getroman.com slash holly for a free online visit, free two-day shipping, and if approved, you'll also get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash holly for a free online visit, free two-day shipping, and $15 off your first order. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Thanks for hanging around. Uh, I'm back here with Anna Lee. And so the reason that, Anna, you and I even started talking about this was you were having a conversation with Tara um, on Twitter. and And I think you were talking about, you know, what kind of industry are we going to come back to after COVID? Because this whole kind of second wave of Me Too um, happened during quarantine, so people aren't really working. So so what are we going to do when we actually come back to set? What's the industry going to look like? And then we got to talking about how it would be interesting to do a podcast specifically about that. So what? Um, I guess let's start with, were you surprised by the number of allegations when they came out? I want to say yes, but that would be a lie. Mm. That would be a lie. Um, Even though I am not a performer and I never have been a performer, I have been in this industry for 20 years and even I have had um, unfortunate things happen or have witnessed unfortunate things happen, especially in my early years. Um, And now to be fair, uh, uh, well, not to be fair, but thankfully things are a lot different now. Um, When I started, um, you know, especially from the sort of business side or the other side of things where you weren't a performer, everyone assumed you were and they treated you in a certain way. And there weren't very many women in the industry. There were only a handful um, that were really working regularly. Um, And unfortunately I saw a lot of stuff that went, went down and being young at the time as well. I didn't know what to do, what to say, how to speak up. Um, I did speak up a few times. And, uh, you know, those first few initial times that I did speak up about things I saw, this is, I'm talking about a long time ago. I'm not talking recently. Um, they went, nothing happened, nothing happened until there was so much that you couldn't ignore it. Um, there was one incident in particular at a place that I was involved with where 14 women came to me when they saw that I was starting to speak up about it and said, Hey, that happened to me too. Um, and so, yeah, so like kind of circling back to what you said is, was I surprised? No, because it's been happening forever everywhere. And obviously with the Me Too movement and everything like that, it has been happening and, and it's, it's, and it's, and it makes me sad. It makes me sad that, that this 
happens and that women cannot, even men, you know, it's not just women. It's, it's men and it's not just sexual. It's, it's abuse of power in general, mm. which is, is, is kind of like the general theme when we're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, when we're talking about everything, you know, it's, it's people abusing their power mm-hmm. and trying to control, dominate, um, suppress, silence, coerce. And when this was all happening, I, you know, I, I kind of took a couple days before I sort of said something on Twitter. And I sat back and I watched this and I kind of was like, this is why I run my own thing. Mm. And I'm not saying that my previous studios that I worked for, the people I work for, actually it's been pretty good. The last 10 years or so has been great, but it's easy for me to say because I'm in a position of power Mm -hmm. where I'm handing out the money and, and I'm, you know, making a lot of decisions and and I was uh, the, the head of a company. So it was, it's easy for me to say, once I sort of got to that position, I stopped seeing those things. I didn't see those things anymore. The, 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 the sexual abuse, the, 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 you know, inappropriate behavior. I stopped seeing those things, but it didn't mean that it didn't exist. Mm. And so that's what I kind of mean when, when my tentative answer was no, I'm not surprised, but at the same time, it's been a long time since I've seen it in my face. Um, other than seeing, you know, uh, the occasional allegations spring up, but then seem to get buried. And so when I saw, first of all, let's just go with COVID. So COVID hit the reset button for a lot of things. And that's something that I really believe in, including in my own personal life and in a lot of people. It was a time where we kind of got forced to sit still and take a look, a real hard look, because there's nothing else to do, (laughs) you know, at what your life was and what was happening. And some people use that to their advantage in positive ways and other people just, you know, ate. <laughs> hey, I did both. But <laughs> yeah, I've been eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did both. I did both. Um, but, uh, you know, and I think a lot of the people in the industry, and I'm talking performers specifically, found a sense of empowerment because they realized, hey, my iPhone a Pro shoots 4K. Here we go. Looks pretty good. You know, and 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 with platforms like OnlyFans and so on and so forth, they were able to find uh, the financial strength, the financial voice. Money is the most important voice in the room. I said that on my Twitter, and I and I do believe that because when the fans speak up and speak with their wallets, that's what's going to happen. You know, um, we're going to make that. We're going to make that for you. We're going to make that kind of content for you. Um, And when the performers started speaking up and realizing, you know what, if I don't ever shoot for X, Y, and Z again, I'm going to be okay. And I realized that too. I mean, I opened my own company just in time for COVID. Yay, great timing. But uh, I work for myself now. I really work for myself now. Um, So I, I, I don't have to be quiet either. And, and there was something so empowering about that. And I just, yeah, I see what's happening on TV and I just see everyone. And, you know, people look at it from the outside and be like, y'all are raging. You guys were locked up too long. You know, why are you so angry at each other? And it's, it's, it's not about being angry at each other per se. I think it's an anger of being silenced for, for this long or feeling afraid to say anything. And, um, Here's an interesting thing. I've, I've become a really open book in the last three months as well. I've been doing a lot of, like I said, soul searching and stuff like that. I had a therapy session with pineapple support. Like literally I just have to give them a quick plug here. Like it's, mm. 
I, first of all, I have in my life, I've, I've, it's not the first time I got into a therapist, but it's the first time I didn't have to spend four sessions trying to justify what I did for a living. Mm-hmm. So let's just start right there. Yeah. That's one of the toughest things about finding a good therapist is somebody who's not going to judge you for being in this adult industry or try to pin all of your problems on the fact that you engage in sex work for a living. Exactly. And it was so wonderful just to get to the root of the issue. And I was actually talking to her about the whole, what was happening on Twitter and then I said, oh, yeah, God, I remember when I was a kid, I used to be so mouthy. I used to used to be like one time, you know, I was helping my uncle clean the yard and he gave the girls 25 cents. He gave the boys a dollar. And I was like, this is not going to stand like, I, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Right. And then I got in trouble. But here's the thing is every example I was giving, I got in trouble mm-hmm. for speaking up. It's not mm-hmm. fair. We all did the same amount of work. Give all the kids a dollar or give all the kids a quarter. So why was I silenced? Why was I told to be quiet? And then there came a time at some point where I just stopped talking. And I kind of realized that as well is it's really hard for people who have been abused, victimized, something like, you know, it's really hard for them to speak up sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I said, fans, if you want to support your favorite performers, support them Mm -hmm. financially, buy their products, buy their scenes, buy their stuff, support the studios that produce ethical, consensual content that empower these performers but also producers come on we got to do better we have to make these spaces safe it should be a given you know you don't go into an office and well actually you do that's the unfortunate thing is when i when i worked in an office i did have some brief civilian jobs and there were times when i'd see stuff going on at the bank and stuff i was just like whoa Mm -hmm. that doesn't fly so when i actually started working in the adult industry full-time i was like oh this is much nicer um but yeah, no, we got to do better. We got to do better. Uh, and I think a lot of it comes down to as well is really being opening to listening, mm-hmm. listening, communicating, reinforcing. Um, yeah. And I'm just, I, I, uh, one thing I hope like, this is my, my greatest hope for this whole thing is that we don't stop talking about it, that this mm-hmm. doesn't stop just because, we fixed one problem or we removed a category from an award show or, you know what I mean? Like I, I, this is a conversation that continuously needs to be had because we continuously need to check in. Mm-hmm. How is my behavior? Is it acceptable? Are you comfortable? Has your no list changed? You know, like we need to keep these conversations going and we need to stop allowing people who abuse power to have positions of power. Mm-hmm. I think that is, you know, and like I said, using the term abuse of power covers the gamut of kind of what the entire world is having an issue with. Yeah. Remove those who have a proven track record or who continue to abuse power from positions of power. Level the playing field. No one is better than anyone else. Just because mm-hmm. I'm handing you a paycheck doesn't mean I'm better than you. Just because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, hiring you for this production doesn't mean that I'm over here and you're here. Mm-hmm. actually you're up here because you're taking the risk being naked in front of me. Thank you. You're being yeah. vulnerable in front of me. Thank you. I'm just sitting behind and monitor the way at the back of my sweatpants. Like it's, you know, it's, I'm not taking any risks here. You are. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I've always felt that it is so incredibly important to recognize the fact that these women and men are getting naked for you and showing you their most, you know, intimate parts and being so vulnerable with you. Like you said, that, 
demands an immediate level of respect. Like absolutely the way, you know, they're literally naked in front of you. And I, I feel that that cultivates an environment where you have to recognize that these are people that need to be respected and they need to be taken care of and they need to be made to feel safe. And so, so for me, I had an entirely different experience in this industry. I grew up in what's called the Sue's, I call the Sue's bubble, right? So my mother is Sue's Randall. And so I've always worked on sets run by women, always. And the one thing that she taught me that I feel like eternally grateful for, especially in this moment, is that the model is the most important person in the room and their level of comfort and that they feel sexy and that they feel heard is the most important thing. And that is something that I have always believed and that I have passed on to my crew. Um, for example, almost everybody in my crew I've worked with for like a decade and they all know that it's so important to treat the models well. They all know that you do not ask them out on a date ever. No one in my crew is ever allowed to date models under any circumstances whatsoever. Um, you cannot ask them out. If they ask you out, you cannot go out with them. And that's happened a couple of times. Um, you know, you maintain a respectful distance. You don't speak to them unless like, you know, they speak to you or you need to, but you don't sit there and try to like get all buddy, buddy with them. Like we're there to do a job and then we're there to go home and you don't ever touch the models unless, you know, like even I, if I have to move a bra strap or something, I'm like, Hey, I ask. Yeah. And that just, for me, just feels like it's just respect, you know, like I'm, I'm not your scene partner. Like I don't, you know, I'm not here to touch you. That's not my job. My job is to make you look good and to, you know, film this, this interaction. And so if I need to touch you, I need to ask your permission and, and see if it's okay. So all of these things that I thought were just automatic, um, are not. And when I hear these horror stories and obviously I've been in the industry for 22 years, so long time like you, I've heard whispers, I've heard stories, you know, horrifying stories. Um, but I have to say that when all of these allegations came out and so almost every girl had a story about somebody and often multiple stories about the same person from so many different girls, I was like horrified. And, um, just after the first Me Too movement, I recognized that, you know, I, I think, I hope I run an ethical set and I provide a space where women feel safe and that they feel that they can speak up and that they can call cut at any time. But then I realized that, you know, I, I, I'm not doing enough actually, because I'm assuming that these girls feel comfortable um, that they can speak to me. I'm assuming because I'm a woman, they feel that they can, you know, tell me if something's up or something's uncomfortable. I'm assuming because I'm a woman, I can read you, you know, and I know if you don't feel good and that's not true. And so, um, I definitely have been a lot more cognizant on set. Now I make sure that people talk about their do's and don'ts before the scene. But, you know, now we're talking about, um, having actual written consent lists, like the ones that, that, that happen at kink. Um, you know, kinks very well known for providing, um, you know, very clear boundaries for people to work within. And I've always admired that. And I will say also too, you know, the companies are taking this very seriously. I work for mind geek and, um, we've had several meetings over the last couple of weeks about this and how can we, 
you know, create a code of conduct to make sure that everybody follows? How can we make sure that we create a space where models feel safe, that they know they can speak up, that they, you know, don't have to just get through a scene so they can get paid if they don't feel good about it. So it really ignited a lot of discussion around that. And I feel extremely grateful for it. Thank you uh, for saying and doing that you're a leader in the industry and to have you doing that is definitely, and I mean, also too, one thing I wanted to say, when a model feels comfortable, when she feels beautiful, when she feels safe, because she is literally putting her body through like a physical endurance mm-hmm. race, a marathon These over girls, and over and over again. Yeah. They're sexual athletes, literally like they are. And, you know, sometimes they don't eat because it's a, a certain kind of scene. And, you know, mm-hmm. like there's all these factors that go in when she shows up and then she's got to be naked for you. And then she's got to perform. Imagine if she felt extremely comfortable, how amazing that scene is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think your work is so amazing. Your mom's work was so amazing is because you did create that kind of sense of feeling of that comfortable, safe, um, consensual set. But one thing that we're doing at 2049 is I'm actually starting a database of where I'm going to send the models the information prior to the shoot. We're actually, I actually am going to shoot for the first time at the end of the month. Um, it's going to be our first shoot here and uh, send the models in advance, all the information, do's, don'ts, no's, yeses. And I'm going to store it and then do a check-in with them along with the COVID check. Uh, mm. Cause I have to ask a list of questions as well. Have you been anywhere? Blah, 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 blah. Um, on top of them getting tested. Um, but I'm going to check in with them personally to be like, is this still relevant? Is this still mm-hmm. good? Do you have anything to add or change? And that way it's in there. It's in the database. It's on paper. No one's losing it. We all signed off on it. And, you know, I hope that that'll make them feel a little bit better as well. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think what's really important too is one of the beauties with VR, uh, well, one of the things you try and do with VR is you try and create as realistic of an experience as possible. And oftentimes in the real world, you don't have 50 people, 10 people, 12 people staring at you while you're having sex. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Speak for yourself. Well, well, you know, you know, if you do, you do. Cool. Cool. If that's that's what you want, then we'll do that. I'll hire actions. But but, um, what I'm going to try doing as well is I'm going to start closing off some stuff a little bit more, mm. try and make the sets a little tighter. So once we get everything done and also as a COVID product, a per- precaution, you know, mm-hmm. we are in a time where we've got this pandemic going on. So we're coming back to shooting some of it. Some of us already started. We definitely have to take extra steps. So why not just clear the room, you know, mm-hmm. clear the room of any essential people. Let's, let's get every crew in there, get it set up and then, you know, get the performers in and everybody just move out. I can monitor from like somewhere else, you know, and it's, um, I think, and I hope that's going to create not only a new sense of well-being, a new, a new, a new, like a new way of, 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 of producing and, and, and making content and making people feel safe and making women feel safe and men. It's not just women, but also I hope it's a new era of some really kick-ass content mm-hmm. because I just, I see the potential because I have seen when a girl feels empowered or a guy when they feel empowered, when they feel in their, in their selves, in themselves, confident, comfortable, safe, held, the performance they give is just outstanding. And I do a lot of work with new girls, especially. Um, uh, I'm in Canada. So just so everyone knows, I'm actually not in LA. I am sometimes, but I'm in Canada right now. That's my home base. And so there are a lot of new performers up here in Canada who always want to try it out. And never feel safe to. So I feel really, 
fortunate. I have a lot of gratitude that they that they take a chance with me and that they're willing to trust me to lead them through the process. And one thing I've learned about working with new girls is you can absolutely get brilliant, beautiful content from someone who's never shot before as long as she's comfortable, as long mm-hmm. as she feels sexual, sensual. She's allowed to step into her own power, be her own being and do her thing. And then, you know, you could just slightly coach her on the, on the, on the, on the body stuff or move mm-hmm. the camera, you know, that mm-hmm. stuff's just technical. But yeah. at the end of the day, sex starts in the mind. It starts yeah. in the mind. Yeah. And and if you're, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely believe that too. And that's like another thing, you know, that specifically that my, my mother taught me, which was if the girl feels good and she feels beautiful and she feels empowered, she's going to give you a much better scene. Like I don't understand people because, you know, back in the day, when um, we were shooting just mostly magazines, like for example, there was this one photographer, Earl Miller. I don't know if you know who he is, I do. but he was famous for making girls cry. Like he would call them fat. He would tell them that they were unattractive. He would put them in these uncomfortable positions and like leave them in that position while he like went to go eat a sandwich. That was like the most famous thing was that he would put you in this like upside down pile driver and then he'd eat a sandwich and then like, and he'd be like, don't move. And, and these girls would be like, so he, it's just, he just like, he was trying to emotionally break you down. And like, why, what, what, like, how is that going to give you better pictures? It's not. Mm -hmm. And then I came to realize that it's not about whether or not he's trying to like create good content. And I understand that like in his mind, this upside down pile driver um, is, you know, great content, but you know, I think that the sexiness comes through the face, right? Through the expression, through the confidence that a girl feels. And if you're breaking her down, she's not going to feel that way. So like, why would you treat girls like that? But I guess some men who feel powerless in other parts of their life feel like they need to exercise power over women in this. And and actually not just men. I know that there are women as well who, who, you know, treat models terribly and make them feel bad. I just like, why do you want to work on a set like that? Like, why do you want that because kind you of get vibe? Off on it. You get off on it. I've seen it right. happen. I've seen it happen, especially with, oh, I'm just going to fucking say it. I don't care. Sorry. <laughs> um, I've seen it, especially investors who don't mm. routinely uh, spend a lot of time with models feel that because they, they paid financed that they could come in and touch, take photos be whatever, do whatever, because they paid for it. And that, you know what, that's got to stop. It's like, just because I bought a hamburger from the drive-thru doesn't mean I could abuse the person that handed it to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. In what world is that okay? So yeah. it's okay for you because you paid for the shoot to come in and, and do whatever you want on set. Yeah. And this is why as well, I mean, I, I, I I've seen it happen. It, I've, fortunately it's, it's, it's not been terrible, I did speak up, um, got me in trouble again. And why am I getting, as a 43-year-old woman, why am I getting in trouble for saying something? You know what I mean? Like, you're mm-hmm. not my dad. And you ain't my daddy, that's for sure. So, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so don't tell me what to do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, mouthy, mouthy Anna here. And that's another thing is why, you know, this my therapist said, I just got to do this segue. I'm sorry I'm jumping all over the place because I'm just thinking all of these thoughts as we're talking. My therapist says, why do you keep saying you were mouthy? It's so negative. You were assertive change language yeah um, oh no no men are assertive and powerful women are mouthy and bitchy, bitchy or, yeah. yeah 
So yeah, so I got to stop doing that to myself. And that's something as well for a lesson for all of us. We need to empower ourselves too. And I know this is easier said than done. There are people out there that will help you. My, my DMs, my email is all over the place. Like if you just want to talk to me be like, you know, I'm new or whatever, I will listen to you. You know, you don't have to, you, you may not trust me at first, you know, I get to know me, you know, and, and take a chance and, uh, you know, come talk to me. Let's try and empower each other. Go to Pineapple Support, like I said, amazing resource. I, I literally don't think I could have survived the last three months without them. Like, mm. I just, I can't even. And that's, I'm just being totally honest. Like, I was going through just a horrible breakup. And, and by the way, if you're going to break up with somebody, do it during a pandemic because then you're locked down. You can't contact them. It's awesome. <laughs> no booty calls allowed. You can't. You're forced to, to do that separation thing. It's awesome. Yeah. It's great. It's like, so I highly recommend if you're going to do it, do it then. And then you can eat, you know, I have an excuse, but, um, but, uh, no, what I'm trying to say is, you know, at the end of the day, we need to empower ourselves. We need to empower each other. We need to create lines of communication, dialogue, and keep the conversation going. And most importantly, we need to be mouthy. We need mm-hmm. to call people out, continue to do it in a professional way. Mm-hmm. There's no need to be hating on each other. Mm-hmm. But you can call someone out. You can say, this is unacceptable. I don't stand for this. You can say, I don't feel comfortable. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. And I know it's so easy for me to say that. Because like I said, I cut the checks. It's so easy. But where we can start is with me. Where we can start Mm -hmm. is with you. And I am saying, and I make a pledge that literally from the time I made that tweet... Even before then, those who have worked me before know. They know that how I am. And most people, I think, I think I, I've never really had a bad experience with anybody, actually. And I think, I think my track record speaks for itself. However, I know I could always do better. We could always do better. And if that means me listening, if that means me admitting I'm wrong, if that means me li- like learning that, you know what, it's easier for me to, to speak out now because I'm in a position of power. It may not be for you. Okay, well, then having a dialogue with you, how can I make you feel more safe? How can I make you feel comfortable? How can I make you feel empowered? Um, and I, I'm putting my money, my time where my mouth is. And I am saying, like, I am not going to take any jobs. I am not going to work for anyone. I'm not going to collaborate for anyone that does not follow these same principles and beliefs and mm. practice them. There's yeah. one thing to talk about it. It's another mm-hmm. thing to price them. And we're seeing this with the Black Lives Matter movement too. I, you know, they've been, they've been screaming forever, for mm-hmm. years, years. Yeah. About mistreatment, racial injustice, so on and so forth. And it seems that there's movement now and I hope it sticks. But like I said, we get a pandemic once every century. So let's, you know, let's do the right thing, people. Let's do the right thing. Let's change and those of us who don't even need to change, let's support those who may not have a voice, those who have a platform. Let's, 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 let's raise their voice with those platforms yeah. and keep the conversation going. That's really, really important to me. Yeah. I agree. Okay. We're going to take one more commercial break and then we'll be right back. So hang on guys. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Care of Vitamins. My health has never been more important to me than it is right now. Not only is keeping in good health tantamount for everyone in today's world, but I am also now six months pregnant and I need to take care of my body more than ever, which makes me so grateful to have found Care of Vitamins, who makes it so easy to ensure that I get the supplements my body needs. How does Care of make my life easier? 
Let me explain. First of all, I don't really know much about vitamins and I do not have the time nor the inclination to do much research. But with Care-of, all I have to do is hop online and take their easy five-minute quiz, which helps evaluate what supplements I need based on my eating and sleeping habits, exercise routine, stress levels, and much more. They then ship my order right to my door on a monthly basis, so I never have to run out to the store or reorder. The best part? My pack of various supplements come in a slim little packet that's easy for me to grab on my way out the door. So if you want to take charge of your health this summer, take your vitamins. To get you started, Care-of is offering a special just for my listeners, 50% off your first order. Just go to TakeCareOf.com and use promo code HOLLY50 for a full month's supply. That's TakeCareOf.com and use code HOLLY50. Take care of your health with Care-of Vitamins. Holly Randall Unfiltered is also brought to you by Twisties. Are you looking for high quality, ethically produced lesbian erotic content? Then look no further than twisties.com, the only website that prominently features the hottest women in the adult industry and the most mouthwatering scenarios. Their featured girl of the month, crowned a twisties treat, is shot exclusively by me. And let me tell you, we put a lot of time and effort into those shoots. Some of my best work, I'm proud to say that I've shot for twisties. Their top models include Angela White, Demi Sutra, Abella Danger, Abigail Mack, and the current Twisties Treat of the Year, Molly Stewart. So head on over to twisties.com to see what all the fuss is about and follow them on Twitter at Twisties or on Instagram at Twisties Treats. All right, we're back. So I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the pushback that there has been um, against women who speak up because there's definitely two sides to it. So what do you say to people who say, well, like, why didn't you say anything at the time? Why are you speaking up now if this happened two, three years ago? I'm guilty of that too. Uh, I kind of said something like along those lines. Um, and I, and I listened, I listened and I realized that if you've been victimized, if you've been triggered, if you've have a history of, of, of being marginalized or abused in any way, shape or form that sometimes is extremely hard for you to speak up. You're afraid mm-hmm. your, your, your self-esteem is not there. You know, there's a million reasons why you wouldn't, you got to pay your mortgage, you know? Um, and that was one of my things as well. When we first entered this lockdown phase, I was like, shit, how am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to do this? I, I freaked. I literally cried. I think for the first week, cause I was just freaking out. I had just launched this company. All my shoots are canceled. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Um, and it's not that it's not that easy. There's mm-hmm. so it's not that black and white. It's so complicated, and the human mind is so complicated, and trauma is so complicated. Mm-hmm. And you may look like you're you've got it all together. I may look like I got it all together. Inside, I'm dying, and you don't know that. You don't know what that person's going through, has gone through, or is about to go through. And fear is like the most powerful emotion i think love is the most oh yeah i mean the media lives on selling sex and fear right those are the two things that sell sex and fear right 100 if you break it all down and if you're afraid of will i ever work again if you're afraid of what will happen to me if i say something then you're not going to say anything. And I get it. Mm. I get it because we've, how long has been the industry been around? How long has the world been around and how long centuries have men and women been unable to say anything because they've been afraid. They've been afraid of being able to survive. 
And that could be emotionally survive, financially survive, you know, physically survive. And if someone doesn't speak up, you cannot hold it against them. So that is why it's up to us to keep the conversation going. When I say us, I mean producers, the people that create the content, the people that are in that position to have those discussions and say, hey, do you want to talk to me? If not, here's somebody maybe that you can. Um, and, and let's try and get this, you know, let's try and get on the same page. Let's try and make it safe for you. But I will never, ever again, ever say to a woman or a man, why didn't you speak up? Because it's not that, it's not that simple. It's not that simple. Mm-hmm. And if you think back to anything that may have remotely happened to you and everybody, unfortunately, by the time they reach a certain age has seen or experienced some form of trauma. And if you haven't, bless you, you are so lucky. Mm. Um, you are so lucky. And it's not, it couldn't even be severe trauma. You just had your heart broken, whatever. Right. Um, you know, and you've seen something, you've seen it on TV, at least you've seen it on the news. It's not that easy. It's not that easy. And we need to understand that not everybody is like you. Not everybody has had the same experiences and not everybody feels like their voice can be heard. Yeah. So I don't begrudge anyone who comes out five, 10, 20 years later. I mean, I was in an abusive relationship for six and a half years and I'm literally just talking about it now. And everyone's like, Oh, Anna's got her shit together. She's a boss lady. Like I swear to God, this is, this is hundred percent true. If you ask anybody's opinion of me or most people, I guess, you know, what's Anna like? Oh, she's assertive. She's strong. Blah, 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 blah. She got it together. They didn't know what was going on at home. They didn't know I was being emotionally abused every time I walked in the door. Um, And yeah, so it's like, you can't, you can't ever judge a book by its cover. You can't ever expect someone. I didn't think I was going to cry. Sorry. You can't ever expect someone to have a strong voice. Mm -hmm. If there's been silence repeatedly in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. No, I, 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 I totally, I totally understand. It's, um, there's so many different things that go into whether or not you're going to speak up on set. I know that a lot of women have talked about, you know, they were alone on set, Mm -hmm. um, with just the other performer or there was no women on set. And so there was no way that they felt there was no one that they felt they could speak to that would stand up for them. Uh, they didn't have an agent who they felt would stand up for them. You know, the agents don't want drama. They don't want trouble. They see, you know, some of these agents, they just see girls as a paycheck. Right. They don't care how you're feeling. Right. They just want you to go in and do the scene and then, you know, come back and get their 20% plus their, you know, commission. And so I think for too long, women have been treated as, really is as, as just objects as just a means to an end. And I think that what you mentioned before about how these now personal platforms, OnlyFans, Snapchat, and I know I brought this up a million times on my podcast, but it has dramatically shifted the power to the performers in a way that never existed before. And you've been in the industry a long time as have I, and I mean, we've never seen this before. I've never seen this before. Never ever. And the, the playing field is being leveled and a lot of people aren't cool with that (laughs) because their positions of power are, are being taken away. Um, but I think, you know, as a woman, I'm always happy to see women being empowered and, you know, as a producer, like this isn't necessarily helping me specifically, but I see, here's the thing. Like for me, I want to work in an industry that I feel good about. 
Like I really do. I want to feel good about my job. I want to feel that people leave my set and they think to themselves, I had a great day. You know, I don't ever want a woman to walk away from my set and look, I'm getting emotional. Let's just cry together. Um, I don't ever want a woman to walk away from my set or a man um, and feel like, God, I wish I hadn't done that. God, I regret that, you know? And I've spent 20 years defending this industry. You know, I started this podcast and I'm constantly defending this industry and defending the people in it and saying like, no, we're empowering women and, and you know, it's not what you think it is. And then when all this came out, there were a couple of days where I was like, Am I shitting myself? Like, am I just fooling myself? You know what I mean? Like all this time that I've spent defending the industry, the people in it, telling, you know, everyone that we're not victimizing women, like, am I just full of shit and totally naive? Mm -hmm. So that was, that was hard for me, but you know, I, I think that, that this is going to create a positive change for our industry where women can be even more empowered. Um, and that's what I really hope for. So how do you feel about, like, what do you think that the industry as a whole can do to, to make this better? Um, I know I saw that, like, was it Expos is going to start or was it AVN is going to start like an anonymous tip line? Oh, I, I didn't see that. It was, I think it was, I think it was Expos. And then there were people saying like, okay, who's going to run that tip line? You know what I mean? Is it going to be somebody outside of the yeah. industry? Because everybody's got friends and people you take sides. It, and It needs to be someone who's who's impartial outside of the yeah. industry. That's that's a yeah. tough one. Uh, I would 100%, and, and I think they should almost be voted in. I don't know. It's it's in a fair democratic way. Like I'm a Canadian, so I don't know, even though I'm saying that. But yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, there needs to be accountability for that. That's the thing is like, you know, who's going to, who's going to police that? Who's going to police mm-hmm. that? Who's going to police the, the tip line? Um, well, what we can do is first of all, fans support your performers. One. Uh, yeah. I you think it comes back there. down to what you were saying before. It, the money talks. Right. And, and when you have, this is why you're seeing the women speak now because they're empowered. Mm-hmm. They don't need right. studios anymore. And then I have a lot of friends who are also shooting and stuff. They're like, Oh no, what are we going to do? Well, guess what? You do what you do well. And if you do what you do well and you create a space that's safe, you're still going to work because I know even though these women are shooting and men are shooting for themselves, they still hire DPs and they still come in and they're like, Hey, I want you to, Anna, I want you to do my VR for me. You know, like I'm, it's really hard to do VR at home. So I think I'm okay. But, um, but um, you know, but despite that, so from our standpoint, from the crew, the cast, the, the director standpoint, there's still necessity for us. There's still a need to have that kind of bigger production. I think that's never going to go away. Um, but it starts with where the money goes. So seriously, I, t- I spoke to the fans first. And I said, you really, really got to listen to this. Even though this is fantasy for you, these are real people. And actually I got into a lot of, and I often don't engage with fans who say things that I don't agree with on a, on an extreme level. I had a lot of people say, but you know, I don't want to see my girlfriend or somebody that I care about get gang banged. And I was like, uh, that woman who's in that gang bang enjoying herself is a human, is a person. Mm-hmm. They're real. They're not this thing. And yes, we create a fantasy world. And yes, it is part of the whole thing. But at the end of the day, this is a person who worked and is being a professional and producing and and creating this for you. They're human at the end of the day. Support them. 
support them with your dollars. The next thing I think that needs to happen is, like I said, from the top down. It's got to come from the top down, whatever the top is. And that means whoever's employing, whoever's calling the shots, the executive producer, the producer, the director, whoever's there. It's your job to make sure that everyone's complying. And then sort of as that trickles down as well, like you said, work with the crews that you know that are great. I work with my crew. I have the same people on either sides of the country as in the U.S. and Canada. I work with the same people over and over again because they work with me well, because they create a safe space, because I've, they've, they've got my respect and the respect of all the performers. But it's really up to us at the end of the day to be like, yes, this is about money, but this is all about humans as well. These are people. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I do not want to be a part of anything that destroys. I only want to be a part of something that creates. And I hope that stuff that we can create is beautiful. And I hope that stuff that we can create makes me go exactly like you said, man, that was a good day. Or fuck, yeah. I felt sexy. <laughs> man, I've never, you know, like I felt good. That was great. Yeah. I can't wait to. And when they post about my new scene's dropping, blah, 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 that they actually mean it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this yeah. one's hot. And they put a little fire emoji that they actually mean it, you know? And right. that to me is the most important thing because I learned from COVID, I'm fine. Even if I never worked another day in my life in this industry, and I hope to God that doesn't happen because I do love it. I do love the people I've met. I do love the people that I have worked with up to this point. And I, I'm so excited about the things that are coming around the corner with this new, this new wave. I feel, I feel like, like I said, the world hit the reset button and I'm so excited for the fresh start. I was like the first day of school, going to high school, you're going to college, you know, like that excitement, like what's going to happen to me. Then you're out of college. You're like, what's going to happen to me? You know? So I'm feeling that kind of newness again. And I haven't felt that in a long time. I feel even on a personal level, my life has completely changed. And I'm living my truth and speak my truth. I'm just saying what's going on. I'm not afraid anymore to say anything. I'm not afraid to hide. I'm not afraid to pretend. I mean, I'm not going to pretend anymore. Mm-hmm. And what you see is what you get. And I think that's really important to me. So like I said, the next step is we as producers, we as people who are leading this charge along with performers, we need to stand, stand side by side with each other and just be real, just be honest and just be mm. like, you know, this is what you get enough of the bullshit and of the fakeness. Yeah. (laughs) I think also what's been interesting about these content platforms that we keep bringing up is that not only has it financially empowered the women, like we've talked about, but also too, it's given the fans insight into these girls as people, like you mentioned. So before when you had these, you know, fancy websites that used to be the thing before like OnlyFans and Snapchat came along where girls would just shoot these glamorous like photo sets and video sets and post it online. And you didn't really have any direct interaction with these girls at all. And then like camming came along and then these fans got the ability to see these performers as people rather just as sex objects. And you can see that, you know, and some girls have, I think attributed a lot of their success to not just like, you know, that how sexy they are, how many like dildos they can fit in their butt, but um, like that they have engaging personalities that make their fans feel like this is somebody that like I want to hang out with and get to know. Like uh, Savannah Solo is a great example. 
Um, you know, she's this, I don't know if you've, you follow her on Twitter, but mm. she's this, uh, kind of like, as far as I know, like kind of new on the scene, but really big on OnlyFans. And she's hilarious. Like she posts these really funny videos and people just love her because her personality is so fun and so engaging. And so I think that that, so the girls get the power from not just the fans financially, but also the fans, I think, like in an emotionally supportive way, you know, because they believe in these girls as people. And so when these girls do come and talk about these horrible experiences that they had, yeah, you're always going to get people that are like, you know, whatever, you're just trying to stir up drama, but you're also getting people who are like, I believe you. Like you're a good person and we believe you and we stand behind you. And I don't think fans ever really thought of porn stars in that way before, you know? So that's been a really positive change too. Definitely. And just a really quick thing I want to say about that, you know, I, I, I think, you know, cause then you have that thing. It was, who do you believe sometimes? Cause it's like, he said, said, right. Yeah. I think it's important for us to just give people the space Mm -hmm. to say something. Yeah. Um, you know, and unfortunately some people abuse that too. You know, there's, there's people who say things and it wasn't entirely true and, mm-hmm. but always give, I think that's very important for us as well to just be, to just listen. I think listening is a, is a very, very underused skill mm-hmm. and just while it's imp- very important to never, to never be like, I don't believe or I believe you. I think it's like, it's, 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 it's what I'm trying to say is it's important to, to not say, I don't, it's important not to say, I don't believe you, mm-hmm. but it's also important to listen to everyone, let them mm-hmm. have their chance to present before you pass judgment. So that's another thing that I noticed that kind of went on was that there was a lot of, he said, she said this side, that side, a media that was like, well, F him, you know, I, he, he's canceled or whatever <laughs> the term the kids use nowadays. But yeah. like, and, and, and it's, it, once again, it's not that black and white. Somebody's experience may have been completely valid. They may have felt uh, completely uh, uncomfortable or, or violated even. Whereas the other side didn't see that way. And once again, circles all the way back to communication mm-hmm. and learning. How can we take this example and improve on that? How can we make sure that this doesn't happen where one side doesn't feel like they violated consent? One side feels like they did and both are right. Yes. I mean, like who's right. Yeah. I think that too often pride stands in the way of us um, growing and becoming better people and becoming, you know, better at our jobs, better directors, better producers, better performers. Uh, I think, one of the best things that that we can do is acknowledge our mistakes, learn from them. That's the most important part. And then move forward. And you're human and am, too. You're totally human oh yeah. too. Sorry for interrupting you. I just, I was kind of thinking back to another example of where a director made a mistake on set where I feel they generally didn't realize that they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you're human. I'm human. And even though I pre-planned the hell out of my shoots, I don't do things right all the time. Or sometimes I'm thinking something in my head and I'm too in my head and I make a mistake and I didn't mean for it to come off in a certain way. And that's, that's, that's a moment too, where I hope the dialogue goes both ways Mm -hmm. that I didn't intend to make you and feel uncomfortable, but if I did, let me know what it was and let's talk about it. Let's work through it and let's make sure it never happens again. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there. Just no, no, no. I, I, no, you make a good point. And I, that was all I said, everything I had to say. 
say, but you know, we, we can all, you know, life is all about experiences. Nobody's perfect. And we all, we can all do better and we all make mistakes. And I think that that's the first step to building a better world. Right. And I don't think there's ever going to be a playbook on how to handle this stuff. I, yeah. I don't think there's ever going to be a manual, um, but those who do it right, let's also hear those too. So like, mm-hmm. in, you know, I encourage everybody to use their voice and say, Hey, Holly's doing it right. Or so-and-so is doing it right. Or, you know, um, you know, this other platform is doing right. This studio is great. I'd love to hear that because right now mm-hmm. there's not that it's not important and I don't want to diminish the voices of the people who are crying out to be heard. It is so important, but it's also important to see who is doing it right. So I encourage performers, anybody who's watching this, um, if you've had a good experience, can you let me know who I should look to? Mm. You know, what studio is doing it right? What producer, what director, what agent, who's mm-hmm. doing it right? And show us what we should be doing. Because some of us, even us, our voices are silenced in a certain way sometimes too. I'm trying not to let that happen to myself. That's, like I said, a personal pledge of mine. I'm moving on forward. Um, Anna 2.0. But uh, but I want to know who's doing it right. And this is also in turn going to spread a little bit more positivity as well. I think some of us need some uplifting sometimes too. Like I said, not to diminish I don't want to diminish. I don't want to take away. I don't want to, to silence the voices and, and have those not be heard. But I also would like to see, okay, I heard what's going wrong, but who's doing it right? And how can we improve on that as well? So that's something important to me as well that I really wanted to get across that I'd really love to hear from the performers, the fans, who's doing it right. Yeah. Well, Anna, I think you're doing it right. Trying. <laughs> I'm just, you know what? I'm just being me and for so long, I felt like I couldn't be, you know, and um, I felt like I was putting on a show. I felt like I was playing a part every day. And finally, maybe because of my age, you know, maybe because I let my little gray hair grow in. <laughs> my one gray hair of wisdom. My wisdom gray is right in the front. Here. I'm hoping it turns into something cool, but we'll see. Um, you know, I, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm old now. <laughs> Things are starting to ache. And you know, I don't need my heartache to, to ache too. I don't need my, yeah. I don't need my conscious to ache too. Yeah. My back's hurting. My knees are hurting, but I don't need the rest of me to hurt too inside. So it's really important to me that I, first of all, I practice what I preach. I, I practice authenticity, honesty. I try and make an ethical set. I try and do something that if I were the person naked in front of you, that I would be comfortable, as comfortable as I could be. You know, mm-hmm. that if this was, if this was me and I was in your shoes, that I would be proud of the work I was doing. And mm-hmm. I also want to create a sense of inclusion and just, oh God, I got into this because it was fun. I want to bring the fun back. I want to bring the fun back. Yeah. yeah you know, let's make porn fun again. <laughs> Porn's fun. Can that, a- can that be our tagline? <laughs> <laughs> let's make it fun. I mean, it's fun. It's hot. It's good. I'm not like, let's let, let's not take away from that part. I know we're being all serious, you know? Yeah. But come on. We're in an industry for a reason. It's, it's, and it's a hell of a lot more fun than a mainstream set. Let me tell you guys. So, you know, I, I want to balance all those things, but most of all, I want to come at you real from now on hundred percent. And unfortunately that means hearing some of the bad shit that I've been through too. And, and I hope others do the same. Like I said, practice what you preach. If you, if you set an example, hopefully others will do the same and feel comfortable to do so. And thank you uh, for doing what you do, being who you are and continuing. And like I said, I just keep trying like keep listening, keep talking. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Anna. This was a great conversation. It was uh, got definitely heavy at times, but I'm I'm glad that 
we had it. And I think it's important to have conversations like these to move things forward. So I'm glad that we did. And if anybody disagrees with me and anything I've said today, tell me. I want to I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I'm sure, I'm sure they will. No, but you know what? Tell me. Tell me. I honestly don't be afraid to tell me because I want to hear it. I want to know like why you did. Like, like I said, it's important to practice practice what you're preaching and uh, listening, I think, is, is really what I want to do more of and do better. Yeah, same. Cool. Same. All right, Anna, can you tell everybody where they can? I know we already plugged your website, but you can can you give everybody uh, tell us your website again? Because sure, why? sure. So um, social media handles, all right. that kind of stuff. So I'm Anna Lee, A N N A L E E V R X on everything social media, just to make it easy for you guys. So Anna Lee VRX on absolutely everything social media. Check me out. I'm really active on Twitter. I don't really deal with the other stuff. I don't really have time. Um, my company and my website right now. 2049-2049-entertainment.com. Um, go there, and once I eventually can get the rest of this stuff going, get a member site up, do all those other wonderful things we start shooting, and you're going to see more stuff. It'll all link off of there. So check that out, and uh, it'd be great. And if you could, like like I said, fans, support support my work if you could. Um, if you support me, I can try and make the best content for you guys, the ethical stuff, you know, the stuff that I feel good at at the end of the day. So that's my little plug and my little plea to, to check my stuff out. So thank you so much. Love it. And you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter. I am shadow banned, I think on both platforms, definitely on Instagram. So sometimes it's hard to find me, but it's just Holly Randall. There's no underscore, there's no numbers, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Holly Randall unfiltered where I do early releases of all of my shows. There's tons of bonus content on there. So much stuff. Go check it out. I have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash Holly Randall unfiltered. And then also, uh, I have a website, Holly Randall And we have a newsletter that we put out once a month. That's full of really cool stuff. What's new. Um, we're doing a new thing called a bombshell of the month where we have like a girl that we feature every month. So that's been really fun. So, you know, come, come check us out and thank you guys so much for listening. Love you all. Um, your support means everything to me. And let's thank Anna Lee once thank again you. for coming on and being so open thank and so you. honest. Very much appreciate that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the chance to be able to just say my thing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my show and want to support it, I ask that you take the time to rate and review my podcast. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash HRU, and you'll automatically be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports, and then be led to the place where you can rate my show. Five stars, of course, and leave your glowing review. Okay, it doesn't have to be glowing, but you know, say something nice. You can also financially support this show through my Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered, where you get so many perks for your support. Things such as early releases and live recordings of my interviews, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, autographed copies of my photography books, free access to my private Snapchat and not safe for work website hollyrandall.com, and my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life. 
Also, join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Holly Randall Unfiltered, and you can watch the video versions of these interviews at youtube.com slash Holly Randall Unfiltered. Oh, and of course, sign up for my newsletter at hollyrandallunfiltered.com and get all the info on upcoming guests and special projects. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting my podcast in whatever way that you can. Next week, I am bringing back a favorite. She's a favorite of yours and she's a favorite of mine because she's a very close friend of mine. And I am super excited to bring back Danny Daniels to the podcast. This time she'll be joined by her husband, Vic, who co-hosts a podcast with her called The Two Onions. And I'm going to let you listen to the podcast to find out what exactly that title means. It's fun. It's a swap cast. So she asks me questions about myself. I ask her questions about herself and it's just an all around good time. So make sure that you come back next week for Danny Daniels and Vic on Holly Randall Unfiltered. <laughs>